As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like me, Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the USC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. The sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount Plus. Welcome back, Broncos country, to another episode of the Orange Weekly post-game podcast. The Broncos lose to the Chiefs 43-16 to in a very snowy Sunday at the Mile High City. Uh, we're going to try and find some good things to talk about, but of course this loss was incredibly painful as the Broncos now drop to 2-4 and four on the season. So, uh, welcome to the show once again. Kick back, relax, grab a drink, you're going to need it. Uh, and welcome to the post-game podcast. Orange Weekly, fans, brews, and Broncos news. What's up, Broncos country? Tanner Lee and Kev Dan back for another edition of the Orange Weekly postgame podcast. Kevin, I think this is the quickest postgame podcast we've ever recorded directly after a game's ended. This is why I have so much alcohol in my hand right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because if we had waited for another hour or two, I don't know if I could have gone through it. <laughs> you might have been a completely sw- uh, slurring your words, but the Broncos totally, lost today. To- totally understandable. Um, <laughs> there is not a lot of whole good, whole a uh, lot of good things to say about today's performance. Of course, we'll be getting into it, but just, uh, just, uh, just I kind of want to put a PA announcement out there, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us in Broncos country are pissed off and frustrated right now. Kevin and I are frustrated. Jared's frustrated. Ray's frustrated. David's frustrated. Matt's frustrated. Ayla's frustrated. Jason's frustrated. I think I covered us all if I, I forgot anybody. I think you did. You got it. Very nice. Very nice. We're all frustrated, but <laughs> I just want to emphasize the Broncos country. Let's not get on Twitter and say fire the whole coaching staff right after a loss. I've already seen enough of it. I'm sick of it through um, how many every games we, we've played so far. I can't even keep track of my six head right now. now. Yeah. Six, six, okay, two and four, yeah, six. Six games, and I just – I know we want the Broncos to be good. We're one of the most passionate fan bases in the league, but let's not be irrational and stupid. Um, it just – I don't know. I'm, I don't know about you, Kev Dan, but I'm yeah. just tired of seeing the negativity. I mean, some yeah. of it's granted, but some of it's just starting to get really old. So, you know, a couple of years after Peyton Manning, I, I got it. We are an incredibly spoiled fan base. We had four years Peyton Manning, you know, record-breaking offense in 2013, Super Bowl in 2015. I mean, we had it all, you know. And for two or three years after that, okay, I, I get it. Like, the team sucks, and Elway's not really doing this rebuilding thing. He's kind of still thinking that we're in playoff mode, and we're not. Uh, and people are pissed off, and I get it. 
Look, we we are well beyond that. We can't even say we're a spoiled fan base anymore. You, we have to keep it in perspective. We have finally, and the last, this is the second season that we've actually truly been in rebuilding mode. This was Drew Locke's, what, seventh start? Eighth start, maybe? Yeah. I can't I remember the top of my head. You know, Look, it was the Chiefs, and as much as I wanted to sit here and say, heck yeah, we are going to upset them, as all of Broncos country did. Am I sitting here right now pissed off? Yes. Am I surprised? Only as, you know, how bad it was, and we'll get into the special teams play later on, mostly is what's getting to me. Um, But yeah, look, this is halfway through the season. We're not going to fire the coach. Who are we going to replace him with? Pat Shermer? Okay, then who's going to be our offensive coordinator? What is that going to do for us? You know, sit Drew Locke. Okay, well, then we got Rippon. And Rippon's okay, but he's not going to win us any major games. You want to put Rippon out there against the Chiefs next time around in Arrowhead? That's not going to do anything. Look, this is only his eighth, seventh or eighth start. I should have looked that up beforehand. I can't remember. Well, let's see. He had but five last on. year. And uh, if we're counting the Steelers' start, um, Which, this yeah. would be his ninth, I guess. Okay, yeah, so yeah. ninth so, technically. Yeah. But come on, guys. You got to give this time. You have to, you know, we're, we're going to get back there. It's going to be painful along the way. These are rookie, rookie mistakes. These are players in their second year. They're not going to be perfect. It's not like Peyton Manning, who'd been playing for 10, 15 years and was doing phenomenal. I'm not saying Drew Locke's going to be Peyton Manning, obviously, but the point is you have to give these guys time to build. Now, when you want to have a discussion about maybe replacing coach Fangio, do it in the off season. Let's see where we finish this, this season. But the trouble with that is you are then starting with a brand new coaching staff. Pat Shermer's not going to stay. You might be able to keep Mike Munchak. Who knows? But in general, the coaching staff is going to be completely different. You're going to go into the season with a brand new playbook that all the players have to learn. And when you look at teams that have done historically well throughout the ages, they keep their head coaches even during the bad stints. You look at the Steelers, for example, three head coaches in what their entire history, more or less. Pretty much. Uh, so that's not going to do anything for us. It's just not. So I'm, I'm glad we got that out of the way early. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that talk during our shows throughout the week and everything, but Look, it was the Chiefs. If this was Atlanta, if this was the Atlanta game and we lost 43 to 16, okay, we might be able to have a, a real conversation surrounding that topic. You know, maybe. But at this point, no, definitely not. Yeah, I just wanted to address that to start things off because I, you know, I, I love Broncos country like like all members of Broncos country does, but uh just yeah. Twitter right now is just so toxic right now after games and after losses. And yeah, like I said, we're all pissed off. We should be. That was a disgrace yeah. today. Yeah. Did I expect to beat the Chiefs? No. But did I expect to be close? Absolutely. Yes. I thought it'd be a one score to 10 point game. I didn't think it'd be a 43 to 16, whatever yeah. it ended up. Yeah. I, I was so was pissed it. off. I kind of blurred the last six or seven minutes. Um, but uh, you just a frustrating performance, but. I mean, are you gonna are you gonna blame and fault Vic Fangio for um, the fumbles out there, for the picks out there? You know, he can't control that. It's it's kind of like uh, Jared said, who does the pregame podcast. It's all about execution right now, and the Broncos yeah. just aren't executing. It's not that they're not calling good plays. And I thought the defense, for the most part today, played pretty well in the first half. Oh yeah. yeah. 
Oh yeah. yeah they did everything they could to keep uh, the offense in, in the game and keep the scoreboard as tight as they could. And then the second half, everything fall, uh, fall or yeah, fell apart mm-hmm. uh, because you know, the offense at that point only had nine points on the board. Mm-hmm. You know, you finally let Kansas city basically do whatever they want because they don't care anymore. They're just going to whatever. And so at, at some point the defense is going to say, what are we doing out here? You know? Yeah. Why, why are we busting our ass when the guys on the other side of the ball can't do anything and the special teams can't do anything. And, yep. um, and, and we saw some tempers kind of starting to flare towards the end of the game. Bradley Chubb went to the sidelines and started ripping people and yelling and a teammate even had to try to calm him down, but he didn't want any part of it. Then we saw Shelby Harris, who's a pretty calm, cool, collective guy, get on sportsmanlike conduct penalty for yelling at the ref. And then it looked like a coach or some staff member was trying to calm him down the side of the sidelines. He yeah. wasn't having any part of it. So these guys are pissed off and frustrated. They're tired of losing which could be big going into next week against the Chargers. Can this coaching staff get everybody, you know, keep them cool, calm, and collected on the same page? Because the more losses that add up, that gets tougher to do. But, um, yeah, not a lot of good things to say about today's performance. So with that, I'm I'm glad we see players having passion and and getting pissed off. Why do we have to wait till it's 37 to 9, essentially, before these players start, before Bradley Chubb goes on the sidelines and starts trying to, you know, and it's it's a leadership thing. It's, I get where he's coming from. He's pissed off. He's mad. Why wasn't he out there when we were down by 10 points, whatever, at some point and saying, we are in this. Come on, guys, keep it up. You know, that's a leadership thing. Getting to the end of it when everything sucks and yelling yeah, at people. Already at that point, point. It, at that yep. point, it's not motivational. At that point, it's yelling at people, yep. right? You're right. And and so where's that passion earlier on? Where's that leadership earlier on when we're not down by much against Kansas City? Okay, we give up that uh, kickoff return touchdown. Why are we not out there? Let's get fired up. Like we can rebound from this in the next couple of drives. Now, why are we waiting until the fourth quarter for players to be getting pissed off? I wish I had that answer. Yeah, that's a great, there is no that's a great point. That's a great point. It's the lack of leadership around the Broncos team in some kind of organization has been a problem now for the last handful of years. And yep. it's not a, it's not a coincidence at, at this point. It's uh it's a problem that needs to be addressed and, Somebody needs to step up and start taking care of it. And the question is who and when, at what point does this get so bad that somebody says, you know what? I need to be that leader in the locker room. I need to be that leader on the sideline and Bradley Chubb, you know, he's, do, he's doing just, yeah. I wish I want to see more from Justin Simmons. Yeah. You don't, you don't really see him on the sideline. And again, there's a difference between yelling at people late in the game and motivating, you know, gathering the gathering the defense around and saying, here's what we, you know, here's what we got to do. Here's where we're at. Let's go out there and let's give our team a chance. And the second half there, there was just none of that. You know, the offense, you know, Drew Locke has a swagger, you know, when things are cool. And I want to talk more about him in a minute in terms of just you know, being able to rebound from these terrible uh, plays and games. Uh, but why is he not kind of riling people up around him earlier on in the game and saying, hey, we've had a couple of bad drives. Let's go out there and let's – I'm sorry, this is not a, a uh, you know, a child-friendly show. So what what they say on the sidelines, why the fuck are we not out mm-hmm. there doing stuff? Look at our defense. Look what they're fucking doing, how good they're doing, what they're doing for us. Why are we not going out there and helping you? But and it's not really me ranting in that, but that's what I would want them. Want that's them what I expect say, yeah. Drew Locke yeah. to be stepping up and mm-hmm. saying, you know, yeah. I get it. It's his second year, his ninth start. 
But at some point you have to say, dude, you're not a rookie anymore. This is not new to you. Yeah. You are the offense. Yeah. Get it together and go lead. Well, let's get right into the Drew Locke conversation. Um, I mean, you kind of brought up a good point there. At some point you got to say, you're not a rookie anymore. This is your offense. This is your team. Go out there and lead. Right. Um, you know, he didn't play the greatest against New England, did some good things, but some bad things. But uh, another game with no passing touchdowns, he did have one rushing, which was a great play. Right there, went to get it seven to six because Brandon McManus missed the extra point. But, um, nothing can be. I mean, I'm not ripping McManus, he's been no stud all year, he just missed the extra point. He's um, human, but uh, I thought this was Locke's worst performance in, yeah. in a Broncos uniform. This was not a good game. Um, I mean, yeah, it wasn't the greatest weather, but. He's from Missouri. He's used to playing in the cold and some snow. And, and it wasn't awful weather. It, it wasn't ideal. But the other team's playing in it, too. And I don't know. I just He just never looked comfortable today. A lot of rust throws, some head-scratching decisions at times, locking in on receivers, it seemed like, instead of going through his reads and progressions. Just a very concerning game. And I I, I really want to see him bounce back next week because um, yeah, he, he needs to start putting some consistent games together back-to-back for this team so here you're on you're on the fringe right no he's not a rookie anymore because technically this is his second season at the same time this is his ninth game sure is he still going to make rookie mistakes yes absolutely at this point do we expect him to start making his you know going through his read progression yes early look and i i talked about this early on in the pregame uh shows and kind of throughout the week i loved how aggressive we were against the patriots but it was smart right we yes. were doing it you know in, in a way that made sense there are a couple times i was like okay we're being aggressive but we need to rethink how we're being aggressive early on i mean even the announcers and you 95 of the time i agree with the announcers uh, but in this case, I was right. How many times are they talking about no offense open 10, 15 yards down the field? He is wide open. Why are you not just doing that and moving the chains and keeping Mahomes off the field versus taking a 30, 40, 50 yard bomb down the field and hoping it works out when it doesn't work out the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time. So now we're being aggressive, but we're not, he's not really being smart about how aggressive. Yes, that play is drawn out to give him the option down there, but it's also drawn out to give him that that medium kind of route that's going to allow them to get that, you know, eight to 15 yards in that range. And so here you have a player who knows what it, it takes to beat the chiefs, but he's not doing it in, in a, in a wise manner. It seems like he wants, I mean, he wants to win every game, of course, but it seems like he really wants this chief game so bad. And, and like you said, I like the aggressive mindset, but there's a difference between being smart, aggressive and kind of dumb, aggressive and today he had a lot of dumb decisions where he he and, and what frustrates me is he you know studied a lot the weeks he was out and kind of was trying to revamp and retool his game and said you know I need to do a better job of of uh, taking what the defense gives me and and we haven't seen that we didn't see that today at all he wasn't taking what the defense was giving him he was trying no. to look for that big play that big score oh I know we have to score at least thirty points to beat the Chiefs because that's just the formula to beat the Chiefs right. that's what it kind of looked like was going through his head and. Uh, just a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes. And and he wasn't the only one. I mean, Melvin Gordon fumbles and then throws an absolutely awful backwards lateral on the flea flicker. Which what was no that? 
like that was, that was awful execution. That wasn't even close. But it was. I mean, it was terrible execution. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen it went any, over Drew Lock's head. Like I've never okay, seen a toss back that bad on a. How many record. times have any one of us picked up a football and just slightly tossed it to somebody? You know, yeah. like just here's yeah. the football, yeah. and I get it. You're in the heat of the moment. The sure. offensive line is collapsing around you, and you want to get that ball out of your hands, right? But I, I don't. He didn't. He put so much strength behind it that if yeah. Drew was 15 yards past where he was, he might have been in the perfect spot for it, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, that defender was just in the perfect spot. Yeah. He was way out of place for mm-hmm. where he was supposed to be. Uh, but, yeah, Melvin Gordon is like, dude, okay, control your strength just a little bit, please, man. That wasn't a bad play that was Absolutely drawn up. Not. But, no. but come on, dude. Like It's just simple execution. I mean, that's what we're paying you $15 million for that. (laughs) Yeah. And hang on to the football, which is something he can't seem to do. I mean, I know he's only had two fumbles, but they've both been pretty uh, hurtful when he's done them to the Broncos this year. And and yeah, just, just a frustrating game. Just nothing went right for the Broncos. The offense was just, it was, it was just hard to watch, to be honest. And and their bright spot was Phil Lindsay. And then he gets out with a concussion. It's like, oh, great. And and now I'd say that's two injuries for Phil this year. Is he getting to the point where he's becoming a little injury prone? And I and I hate to say that because he's, he's so good when he's out there. See, I, I don't know if – and I'm sure we're going to get that comment multiple times throughout yeah. the week. Look, there's injury prone where you have a bad ankle and it keeps – you know, yeah, keeps you, nagging, of, you know, you go injuries. out there and then three games later, now you're out for another three to four weeks because of it. Right. And you're seeing that repetition and maybe your, your ankle or your shoulder, you know, but when you get hit so hard, it, it forces them to put you in compression protocol. Ah, uh, you can't, yeah, you, you can't, can't help that, too but, much for that. Yeah. Now talking about, uh, kind of lingering injuries, we did see Noah Fant stumble off the field near the end. And my immediate thought was, did we rush him out there? I, I see how big of a, a name he is and how much we needed him for this game. But now I'm wondering, like, did did we put him out there a little too early? And is he in danger of not being able to play next week because of that? Yeah, because uh, high ankle sprains are nothing to rush, nothing no. to rush at all because they can be tweaked back easily. And and like the announcers kept saying, he, he just didn't look like himself today. He wasn't running up to the speed we're used to know fan. He's such a huge part of this offense. Tight ends in general are. We saw all the tight ends getting used a ton today. Yep. Um, so it shows you the tight ends are crucial to this offense. And so we need him out there 100% or at least close to 100% as we can get. And I think you're kind of right, Kev Dan. I'm, I'm a little afraid of his status for next week after um, look, him looking so gingerly today. But we will see. So looking, I'm kind of going through the box score right now and looking at this. Uh, Broncos Wolf. had 24, and other than the score, I'm, I'm yeah, avoiding yeah, my yeah. eyes going yep. up there. I'm drinking during the show because every time my eyes go up there, I'm just like, <laughs> ow, ow. <laughs> uh, Broncos had 24 first downs to the Chiefs 17. Now, obviously, you take into account that they didn't need two drives with a pick six and then the, the kickoff return. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, so that kind of makes sense. But even then, we're kind of on par with them there. Um, third downs. Uh, oh, this is imp- uh, impressive though. We chiefs third down efficiency was zero and eight. Yeah. The Broncos, like the Broncos defense was, I mean, this is one of the worst performances I've seen my homes have. Oh and yeah. It still wasn't awful by any means, but it, the Broncos were getting to him a lot of times with a four man rush. It wasn't with, with a blitz. Cause if you blitz my homes, he's got to make you pay. And they were getting home with a four man rush. I think they sacked him three times, had four sacks overall. One was against Chad Henney. Uh, Malik Reed's was, but uh, yeah, they got some pressure on him. They were bothering him. I, like I said, I thought the defense really through three quarters played really well because the yeah. third quarter they uh, held the Chiefs to two, two field goals. And then the fourth, it was just kind of like, ah, 
game's already out of reach. You know, they kind of gave up a little bit, I think. But uh, yeah, this one, this one is not on the defense's fault by any means, in my opinion. That's still just really impressive. Absolutely. When you talk about it there, and, and if, if you had told me before the game, hey, the Broncos are going to lose, but also they are not going to have a single third down conversion. Oh, I would have been, I would have been like, close game. <laughs> I would have been like, what? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, like it's a close game, right? Yeah. We we kept forcing them to, you know, every time they got them to third down that we stopped them. Mm-hmm. Really? I, I would not have uh, believed that. Uh, total yards, Broncos 411 to 286 for the Chiefs. Uh, again, you take into account what about 150 from the kickoff return and that pick six. Uh, so, again, we're not too far off from there. Uh, total yard, um, yards per play, uh, Chiefs 5.6 to our 5.4. Kind of essentially looking down, uh, down this list, uh, minus our five penalties and the what? Uh, four t- turnovers and the special teams. And I think special teams is where we want to go next with this. Looking down the box score, we we held our own. And a lot of it's obviously on the defense, but even some of the things on the offense, like the yards for play and the total yards, our offense didn't do terrible. But at the same time, it's like the, the things that we needed to not do, we did do. Penalties, huge turnovers, special teams. Uh, that's where... It, it was those big moments that completely screwed us. And we kept having them over and over and over again. And what, if I'm not mistaken, we only had one trip to the red zone. I believe so. Yes. You know? So, yeah. I mean, we, even though we, you know, had the yardage and had the first downs, we never, we couldn't get into, in the scoring range. So yeah. and at least we converted our one trip to the red zone today. Um, that was nice to see, but uh it is a frustrating, frustrating overall day, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And like you said, special teams. Uh, I and, we, and I know we how we began the episode by talking about let's not fire everybody, blah, blah, blah. But I think the Broncos maybe need to look into their special teams coach. Um, I'll position. give you that. I'll give yeah. you that. If, if, there think, was, if you had to say, okay, you know, let's – you need to pick one person to let go or really evaluate if they need to stay – Yes, 100% yeah. special teams. Now, is he going to really – whoever we bring in to replace him, uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, McMahon's the last McMahon's, name. I think yeah. his name is Jim, I want to say, but I'm not. Uh, don't hold me to that. I don't know. But even then, um, is he, what is he going to do when it comes to the execution of, you know, being able sure. to tackle? You know, that – the fact that uh, – I can't remember who it was – did that 102-yard unofficial, but basically 102-yard kickoff return – like Tom McMahon the coach can only way, do so much, so much. Yeah. Tom McMahon. But honestly, looking at the box score, if you had hid these, the overall score for me and I didn't hear anything or watch any of the game, I would have said, Oh, it looks like the Broncos probably won. If not, it was a really close game. Yeah. It's uh, and before that kickoff return, I, I had a feeling Kansas city was going to bust one soon, even though oh, it was early yeah. in the game. It just, it just felt like the Broncos were oh, due yeah. were due, and had been getting away with some bad kick coverage as of late and that play was just horrendous and Kansas City's a team that has too much speed to make little special teams mistakes I mean you got to win the special teams battle against them and that's something we didn't do and in the turnover battle which you said earlier four turnovers you can't do that against Kansas City and expect to win so mm-hmm. special teams just hasn't been good for a long time at least consistently good in Denver and um yeah, I know it's only his second year in Denver coming from Indianapolis, but he did a really good job in Indy, and something's not clicking here in Denver. It might be time to look into things there. And Ray, during the halftime hash, you know, obviously brought this up because we had seen some of those um, terrible special teams plays. 
there's not been much drafting in terms of special teams. And, and I guess, you know, what point do you draft people higher up in, in the you know draft picks purely for special teams? You know, it's, I, I get it, but at the same time, it's like, are you really going to give up a fourth round or fifth round pick for somebody's special teams? And, and I love Ray and let Ray, if you're listening, I don't know, but uh, you're, you're fantastic. Uh, he is the only member of orange weekly that is 100% fire coach Vangio. Uh, he hasn't sold us on any, <laughs> any of it. He makes some good points, but well, we I might have another member that's uh, getting close. <laughs> I think he said, <laughs> not, not me, possible. not me. I'm just saying, just, just, just I, the, the conversations today. There might be another member that's getting close. It's. No, I'm not <laughs> saying that I'm far from it, but again, I I want to see how the season plays yes. out. Yes, we might have another another team and uh, uh, player in Team Puffball here. Um, but <laughs> uh, I guess I want to I want to pick his brain and maybe see what you think, as especially being the the college expert uh, of us here at Orange Weekly. You know what? How what is the strategy behind? drafting to build special teams you know it's interesting i've never really even had that question been been brought up to me ever um because i think when it comes to the nfl you get the best players available or the players you need in your position and then you know if they can't start over a von miller or something okay you're gonna be the backup and you're gonna play special teams but you probably do want to draft somebody who has had some experience playing special teams in college even if it was their freshman or sophomore year you don't want to get a skill position guy that's never had any experience playing special teams because then it's probably too hard to coach at this level but uh that's a really good question and and probably something that that i need to research a little bit and get back to you with a better answer. But uh, that's something to think about. It is an interesting point that he made. And it made me stop and say, you know, you never really hear about special teams during the draft, maybe in the last couple rounds, you know, Hey, he's going to be a great special teams player, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then college free agent players, you know, okay, well, these guys were expecting them to be primarily on special teams. So Mm -hmm. it is an interesting point. And uh, I just, at this point, it's been a problem for so many years that, I don't think bringing in a new special teams coach is going to do anything, but okay. We do that. What else are we going to do to fix the special teams? Because today, yeah, they killed us. Yeah. And, and, and of course, McManus a rough day for him missing that extra point, but I mean, that was his one blunder. You get it. Yeah. Uh, I thought Martin punted the ball pretty well. Um, but the, the coverage wasn't very good today. And Kansas city is one of the best, if not the best, Team, uh, team in the league out of returning. I get that. But uh, also you had K.J. Hamler muff a punt today. You never want to see your guys muffing punts. And, and K.J. had a tough day. He had a muff punt. He had a ball bounce off his hands, which at Penn State in college, I watched – I mean, I watched a ton of Big Ten football, and I will say that is a problem he had at Penn State. He yeah. would drop about one ball per game, and once in a while he would muff a punt. I mean, he's explosive if he can get the ball in his hands, but sometimes yeah. he gets too quick. He needs to slow down a little bit and just – just that extra yeah. half a second. Yeah. I know it's rookie track. mistakes, but you can't have those at this at this league. Um, I mean, my just every time I see a muff punt as a Broncos uniform reminds me of Trenton Holiday. Talking mm-hmm. about explosive when he had the ball in his hands, he could take it to the house, but yeah. he would drop it more times than not. Or Isaiah McKenzie, who's doing okay for <laughs> Buffalo, he was another one. Right, of course he is. I mean, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so um yeah, just got to get the special teams cleaned up. It's been a problem way too long, and but I'm like you, Kev. I don't, I don't see it changing, unfortunately, anytime soon. But not this season. But uh, yeah, because uh, in tight games, that's that's uh, the difference between winning and losing. Usually, special teams. 
So Jason did make a comment. You know, the, the score was 24 nine for a while there. Yes. And you take away that, uh, that pick six and that uh, kickoff return. Uh, yeah. You're looking at a 10 nine game, you mm-hmm. know? And I think at some point that would have maybe had an impact on uh, drew Locke's mentality, at least a little bit. I still think he came out of the gate, you know, we got to get up by 21 points to have a chance. And we're going to, I'm just going to bomb the, you know, ball down the field. And, uh, but I think at some point it's like, okay, well our defense is holding our own. We just have to be smart about this. Yep. Um, and unfortunately, of course the, the scoreboard is the only thing that matters, yep. right? but I like his point. Like if it weren't for a couple of those major, major mistakes. And what I'm getting at here is, you know, when we play them again next time in December 6th here, if if I'm Coach Vangio, if I'm any of the coaches, be smart. That that's the message. We can hold our own against the Chiefs. We just have to be smart. And hopefully, by the time we get some you know more rookie experience over the next month or so, six weeks, you know we're going to be better. You know more at that level mentally at least. Uh, and who knows? Maybe at that point we have nothing to lose, right? <laughs> yeah. But if we want to snap that ten game winning streak the Chiefs have against us. If, if this team had played smart and just gotten rid of the couple of those big plays, like instead of the, the, the kickoff return, if we had brought them down at that 30 yard line, you know, like you're talking about a big game changer. So that's what I'm thinking. Like I get what the score says, but at the same time, I'm thinking if you take away two of those big plays throughout the game, you're talking about a radically different Mm -hmm. mindset going into the third and fourth quarter. Problem is, I feel like everybody could do that with every football game. That, that's the problem. But but I get what you're saying. I totally you're get what right. you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you said that, I was like, no, I know what I sound like now. Yeah. Okay. But, but um, one thing, I don't know if this bothered you, but I was bothered right from the beginning of the game when I learned that we won the coin toss and we didn't defer. I did notice that. Um, that bothered me because in my head, if you're going against Kansas City, I want the ball in the second half. But... I get it. I get both ways. The idea there is let's get the ball and let's get points up early. Yeah, sure. But at the same time, if you, if you understand football and kind of what teams are doing for the first 10 to 15 plays, uh, they're all scripted. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the quarterback goes out there and has a script. Like we're going to call these plays in these orders for at least the first, I'd say eight to 10 plays, you know, and so yeah, why wouldn't you wait to the second half there when you have a read on the defense, when you kind of know what the Chiefs are getting at and what they're trying to do? And that's why most teams nowadays they automatically if they win the coin to- toss, they they defer because mm-hmm. the first 10 plays of both teams are incredibly scripted. You know, how you execute those plays is different, but you know, it, so I'm not surprised we went three and out because they're all scripted plays and none of them really worked out, but we're testing to see how they how they react to these looks, these formations, how we, you know, what we do on these plays. Um, so yeah, it, it was weird to me, but in the moment I kind of got it. I was like, okay, well, if we can move the ball, if we can get a field goal early and, and get us that momentum early. Okay. But it 100% didn't play uh, pay off. And I don't see how it really could have, if you're playing someone like the jets. Okay. Sure. Yeah. When you're playing Atlanta. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Well, we have a good chance to recover throughout the entire game. When you're playing against the Chiefs, yeah, let Mahomes go out there early. Let's get a read on their defense early, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, and I understand the point of wanting to try to 
get points and play from ahead instead of trying to play from behind because there's a good chance Kansas City's at least could get a field goal on their first drive. But what if you get out there and get a three and out? What if you force them into a turnover? Then all of a sudden you got a lot of momentum going and you're going to get the ball back and uh, to start the second half if you yep. need it or, or what's the case. So so that kind of frustrated me. And then, like you said, the three and out right away just kind of took the air out of things right away. It's like couldn't get a first down. And, and, then, and then it kind of was a progression – our offense, a lot of times today on first down, just wasn't good at all. No. We didn't get any any yardage. If we did, it was like two or three yards. Besides, Philip Lindsay did bust some runs on first down, I guess. But oh, yeah. pa- passing-wise, we weren't getting – I think on first down, he needed to at least shoot for five to six yards. Then you yeah. get a manageable second down or even a manageable third down if, if he needed after that. And I just – I just today that really popped out of the screen to me was how bad the first down offense was um, from a passing standpoint and, and just kind of – Started off bad and never clicked. Talking about all of that and the first downs and the passing, mm-hmm. you know, we, we spent a lot of time during this offseason and early on this season talking about while rookie quarterbacks are going to make a lot of rookie mistakes, what really is a defining moment and more than anything maybe tells you the trend of a quarterback and where they're at mentally is how they rebound. And now you have a fourth quarter against the Patriots where he threw two interceptions there, mm-hmm. keeping the, the Patriots in the game, which thankfully we found a way to win that one. And now you have a game where we threw, okay, two, maybe three of those interceptions are completely his fault. When KJ Hamler essentially let the ball hit him in his chest and threw it up to the defender and said, Here, this is yours. You go ahead and hot potato. You take it, right? And I get the ball was a little behind him, but you got to catch that ball. You're you a professional wide receiver. Ball. You got to catch the ball. You know, and again, the, the defender wasn't just that perfect position, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are things like that where I can't give, I can't blame him 100% sure. for each of those. Um, but, you know, what I'm looking for in the next two, three weeks how does he bounce back from this? Does he continue to make bad reads? Does he continue to freak out? If so, now maybe we have a conversation going into the offseason about what to do moving forward. Right yeah. now, this is a proving moment for him. What kind of quarterback is he going to be when he has a bad game? Because every quarterback, even Peyton Manning, even Drew Locke, even Drew, uh, uh, um, uh, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, everybody has a bad game. But how do you bounce back from that? Mm-hmm. And that is mental fortitude. And at some degree you come into the league with that, you know? So what I'm looking for in the next couple of weeks is, is he going to make a name for himself by being able to bounce back or is these kind of dumb mistakes he'd made going to stick with him and impact his future play? Cause if that's the case, uh, we might have to start having a serious conversation um, to some degree, to some degree. Yeah, and we don't want to go down that road yet again. Nope. But I do think I do think this next game against the Chargers might be the most pressure he's probably felt in a Broncos uniform going into a game. Maybe not internally, but from the fan base. Um, because also you gotta look across the line. We're gonna be playing against Justin Herbert, who so far is looking pretty good for the Chargers. Looks like he's gonna be their uh, their future. And and that is frustrating from a Broncos stand Broncos fan standpoint. Okay, the Chiefs got their guy locked in for the next 15 years, 10, 15 years. Herbert looks like he's got to be the guy. Why can't we find ours? And I'm not saying Drew Locke's not, and I hope yeah. he is. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I just, like you said, I want to see some consistency. I want to see that positive bounce back because, and, and I know the Chiefs are one of the best teams in the league, and and, and they their defense played well today. But, uh, yeah, it's time to see a bounce back the next two weeks against the Chargers and then the Falcons. We can't get it done against those teams, and the offense doesn't 
um, show better results. Yeah. Then we get into tough topics. I do. You know, again, I don't want to go there yet. Um, Mm, I'm not, I am far from jumping on the tank for Lawrence train. Oh, absolutely. Even at this point with the, where the uh, Falcons are at, look, we're going to have to try really, really hard to get that number one pick. Oh, I mean, the Falcons, the Jets, of course, the Jets, the, uh, Giants, even uh, they're in a you know, position. Uh, Cowboys, Cowboys, right now. Speaking of the Falcons, I don't even know how anybody could root for them. You know, a single person out there. I mean, I don't care if you're from America or England or Germany or Canada. Yeah, uh, I just can't. I just can't believe that you would even still, you know, even identify as being a, a, a Falcons fan at this point. You know, um, the Falcons it's, it's been downhill since 28 to three, man. It's, it, it's not like, like, are they going to lose this? No. How are they going to lose this week? How is the new way they're going to come up with to lose this week? It is so engraved in that culture. It is painful to watch from an outsider's perspective. So sorry for all the dirty bird fans, man. It's brutal. Right. Yeah, it is brutal to be Matt. I mean, um, Falcons fans <laughs> in general. Um, <laughs> nah, sorry, that that was I just made that. Uh, you know, uh, it's the alcohol speaking. Moment. It's the alcohol sp- uh, speaking, and me saying that uh, Matt needs to make Falcon fans need to make better decisions. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay, there are a couple things I know we've been doing gloom, and if you're still here with us, uh, really quickly, obviously we saw the snow today. Mm-hmm. In Mile High City, I probably have four or five uh, inches of snow sitting out my window right now. It is getting to winter time, everyone. And so with that, you might be looking around for some car insurance or maybe you're in the process of moving it. You know, a lot of houses going up for sale and you want to look at some homeowners insurance. Well, Centennial State Insurance is definitely the place to go. Uh, A smaller uh, insurance agency that is going to give you that that one-on-one customer service that you're not going to get from one of the big uh, companies out there. You know, you get in a wreck and uh, you slid across the road. Now you got to call one of these big people. Maybe you're on hold for 20 minutes and you get somebody that maybe even in another country doesn't know you, doesn't care. Centennial State Insurance, uh, Insurance Agency is the way to go. You will have an insurance agent. They know you. They know your family. They know what's going on. They will help you through anything. You're not going to be waiting on hold. Uh, those guys are fantastic. And, and better yet, they will be completely honest with you. If you are not the best option for them, they will tell you. I know I was shopping around for car insurance a little bit ago, uh, and I told them some of the prices I saw, and and they gave me their quote and said, you know, right now in your situation, we're probably not the best people to go with. But, you know, if these kind of things change, go ahead and reach out back, uh, back out to us. So Centennial State Insurance Agency, even though I didn't end up going with them, they are still the people I want to go to in the future uh, and keep trying to give them my business. So reach out to them 303-838-0554. Once again, that's uh, Centennial State Insurance Agency 303-838-0554. Now, Tanner, there are a couple of good things that I want to break down really fast. And obviously they're all going (laughs) to revolve around the the defense. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't looked at the tape and there's maybe one glaring issue on defense I do want to bring up, but you know, we've gone through uh, six games now going into this game. uh, Garrett Bowles had uh, 333 snaps, two penalties. One of them was a holding play, uh, a running holding penalty. uh, And I think maybe only a couple of sacks allowed, if any, and now we're looking at about 400 plays uh, snaps out there that he's been on the field and zero uh, 
no holding penalties today. So you're looking at only two on the season. So, you know, it's making the point. And you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I'm on the Garrett Bowles train. He's on it. It's about, it's it. about time. He's I can't sit here and say that he's got to prove anything else to me. I don't know what else you can prove to me. 400 snaps and only two holding penalties that what a couple weeks ago, you know, I, I can't, he's, he is, he's my guy on the left side. Oh, he's he's the he's the Broncos' best offensive lineman right now. You can't. I don't think you can make an argument. I, I, I think can't. he is right now their best offensive lineman. And I, I'm glad he's proved us both wrong. I'm glad he's done that because <laughs> if anybody's a uh, longtime listener to this podcast, we have oh. not always been kind to Garrett Bowles. So, and he didn't. Des- he deserved it in the past. He absolutely did. You know, the last four years he deserved it. This year. I can't, I, I can't say it anymore. I can't say, ah, uh, he's got to prove a little bit more to me. He's proven so much to me that I, I can't see how you wouldn't be. However, I want to get your take on the right-hand side, man. Yeah, not good game for Dotson today. There um, was one sack where the guy came around him. The corner blip, and, and, I, and he, I he just stood there. Clip. I need to find this clip so I can show it on the Tuesday show. He stood there. He yep. watched the guy run past him to his right, then looked back in front of him where there was nobody. That was, if I had to pick a single play and say, there, you know, what's the worst play on defense? I would say, well, look at the right-hand side, and that's probably the worst I saw. Today. How can you be an a, a offensive lineman and just stand there and see nobody in front of you and say, I'm just going to stand here, you know? Yeah, the line. This wasn't the best lines. Uh, this wasn't the best day for the line today. There was a. I mean, this was a Kansas City defense who hadn't had a sack in nine quarters, and then they got three pretty quickly yep. in the first half, and uh, just frustrating. Yeah, the right. The right side's been a problem all year. Yeah, Juwan James, of course, opt out. So we're still paying him tons of money for a game and a half so far of his uh, Broncos career, and then. Uh, uh, Wilkinson, I believe, was the other right tackle, yep. and he just wasn't working out. So then they f- fill in dots in last game. We played fine in New England, but rough day today. Hopefully, he can bounce back against LA, and that's going to be the focal point of LA next week. Um, in my p- opinions, certain positions we need guys to bounce back, and that's going to be uh, a key thing I'm going to be looking for. How's this, how how does this guy bounce back from a poor performance? If if I'm any opposing team for the rest of this season, at least I'm going to look at the offensive line and say. Don't even test the left side. Don't no. don't. It's not even worth it. Garrett Bowles has it on lockdown. If we're going to pick a side, we need to we need to pick on the entire game. It's going to be the right side. Right side. And that is just so crazy to say, right? But that yeah, and even the middle with Cushionberry. Uh, mm-hmm. I get it. Look, that is other than quarterback, that is like the toughest position out there to be the center. Sure. Um, but yeah, he's still going to get picked on a lot. But that left hand left hand side is solid. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, Bowles and Reisner. Who was it was nice to see him out there today. Uh, after he hadn't practiced much this week, I know there was one that that one play where he and Cushenberry were double teaming Jones, and Jones got through there for the sack. That was just a really good defensive play. But uh, yep. yeah, for the most part, the left side of the line's good, and, and really Glasgow hasn't been a problem on the right side. It's more just the right tackle position mm-hmm. that's that's kind of glaring right now. But it's a big big problem because it's one that needs to get corrected pretty quickly, um, especially with LA. They got a guy named Joey Boza who's pretty mm-hmm. good, and um, a couple other really good linemen. So yep. But uh, but defense, yep. Um, I mean, I guess I guess we're we're forty one minutes into this now. I guess we can give some game balls. Who who gets a game ball on defense for you today? Defense. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say Shelby Harris. There are a couple times where we heard his name. He got through the line. He made those plays. He may not have been directly involved with the sack, but he he got through the line. He he 
he continues to show us why at this point the announcer like he's the unsung hero of the defense i'm like at this point he's kind of one of these like obviously sung heroes of the defense i don't know how much longer you can say he's unsung um but yeah i think he had a fairly strong game obviously the penalty there at the end um you know, taking your frustration out on the ref, I'd like to see that channeled in a different direction towards motivating the, the defense as a whole earlier on in the game. But oh, look, he's been solid for us this entire season. So today was no exception. So yeah, Shelby Harris gets one of my game balls. I was thinking about going Bradley Chubb because he did have a sack and he played pretty good for the most part. But I'm going to go Alexander Johnson. He had that forced yeah. fumble early yeah. on that led to the Broncos only touchdown or yeah, their only touchdown. Um, I mean, he, just week in, week out, he's the Broncos leading tackler, it seems like pretty much for the most part. And, uh, and we've come to expect him to just fly around the field, make plays. And that was a big play at, at the time. That was a play that was really needed because it looked like Kansas City was going to go down and get up 14 zip pretty quick. And it was going to be like, Oh boy, here we go again. But, uh, <laughs> but he gave the Broncos a chance. Um, and they went down and scored, but unfortunately missed the extra points. So, uh, nice. yeah, he gets, he gets the defensive game ball for me today. Okay. About offense. Oh boy. Go oh my gosh. Um, you know, I could go with that left side of the line, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, go with a skill player. But now I got to think who I want to give it to. You know, even though he got hurt, I'm going to give it to Philip Lindsay. Smart. I thought I thought he was having a really good game. He was always over 70 yards, and there's yeah. the he was definitely going to get over 100 if he stayed healthy today, which would have been back to back games. And uh, you know, I, I know they're trying to do this two headed monster, but I, I I'm going to come out and say it. I, I want to see more Lindsay and less Gordon, to be honest. Oh. Hundred percent at this point, yeah. I don't even know why we're paying him fifteen million. Look, I get it if they're if they're both out there at the same time. But if you're telling me um, he's going to be out there by himself, uh, no, he does not deserve fifteen million dollars. And you got to think the league's going to be coming down with that penalty for the DUI sometime soon. That's he'll probably miss a handful of games there. So at least two more weeks, they might credit him with that first one if they're really nice because he was out with strep. Yeah. I would imagine they're still going to do three more weeks. But mm-hmm. uh, and Philip Lindsay didn't look like he was two dazed, so hopefully he'll clear uh, per, um, concussion protocol here soon and be mm-hmm. back out there next week. But yeah, I think at this point, there's not even it's not even worth trying to see who has the hot hand. Look, you know, it's it's Philip Lindsay. Just go in there with that mindset. One thing I want to say before I forget before we end this is uh, when since we're talking about running backs, how about the usage of a fullback today for the first time all year? Yeah, that, that was, was surprising. Little intri- wrinkle, intriguing. Yeah. So are we going to do more of that moving forward, or is that something we were trying to do just to catch the Chiefs off guard? I thought he played pretty well. I mean, he I had a couple too. lead blocks, so I'm all for it. I mean, I. I'm still a big Jano fan and still kind of upset mm-hmm. we uh, let him go. So yeah, I'm all for it. Not too many teams use the fullback anymore, but I think you can use it to if you use it. If used correctly, it can be, it can be a weapon for your offense. It's a valuable spot on your 53 man roster. Yep. Absolutely. You know, especially if you know how to use them uh, effectively within your offensive scheme, um, you get a guy out there and, and I, I get it. There's only 53 spots and sure. you have to really be smart about who's on your inactive list. Um, I think you, yeah, I, I was impressed by how we how we utilized him. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give uh, maybe not a game ball, but a, a a mile high salute to Jerry Judy. There are a couple of plays that he made that you just showed, even in the snow, how he can be an ankle breaker. You know, there is one. I think it was I can't remember if it was ten yards we needed or. or what I think it was a little more. I'd have to go back and check. Uh, but he made that defender miss by a mile. <laughs> you know, he just turned around. I was like, nope, I'm going to get four more yards, you know, and move down the field. And and he had some good plays there. So, again, he's another one that's coming along. 
And I think when you see more and more of him uh, making those kinds of plays, it just shows what his potential is moving forward. Yeah, we got to all remember he's out there playing without Cortland Sutton, who would take yeah. a lot of the uh, attention away from the defense. So, or did a lot of the attention Jerry's getting away from the defense onto himself. So, yep. I thought I thought Alberto had a pretty decent game too today. Now, obviously, we've learned to say Okuwebenam, but the announcer said that he told them he preferred they pronounce it Owebunam. Yeah. Owebunam. I don't know. They were saying it weird. And I was like, pretty much pronounced it how it looks like it would be pronounced with the spelling. And that's supposedly because. Because everybody was, I think everybody was giving the announcer flack, and, and he finally said that. Now this is how he told us he wants to pronounce. So I'm like, okay. or are you just taking the cheater way out? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Alberto, <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna check on that, but in the meantime, I already learned how to say Okuwebenam, so I'm gonna keep doing it. But uh, I guess, yeah, I think it's time for some closing comments, man. Oh, just ugly, ugly all the way around. Um, hopefully, we don't have too many more of these to uh, talk about and, and cover this year. Uh, um, already looking ahead to the Chargers next week. Chargers coming off a win today against the Jaguars. Yes, the lousy Jaguars, but they're still coming off a win. Um, I think our old buddy Chris Harris Jr. will be returning to the Chargers next week. Um, first time in a while. I think he got her week two. So, or at least he was scheduled to come back. So, that's going to be an intriguing storyline to look forward to and uh yeah we need to bounce back win i mean if we want to make any push to the playoffs it starts next week we're already two and four we can i think it's safe to say we can kiss the division goodbye three games behind kansas city um i just don't see them losing well, any more games um yeah. so uh but there's a lot of football left to be played but uh offense got to pick it up they just mm-hmm. got to pick it up we can't we can't expect to win games uh not scoring even 20 points so uh mm-hmm. but um i'll be ready when sunday Rolls around being in the orange and blue and cheering on the guys against one of our division rivals. So uh, oh, looking yeah. forward to it. But uh, put this one in a, um, I don't know, put this one in a freaking, uh, or, or like one of my friends says, burn the tape. And burn the tape. Not anymore. So I'm going to gonna watch a little bit of, a, of it, but the rest of them are But yeah. Uh, closing thoughts from you and, and, and plugs, of course. Yeah. So uh, obviously, I would agree. Uh, the division is is gone from us. We're not going to be the division champs. And look, we're it's the Kansas City Chiefs. They got Pat Mahomes. It it's it's going to be more of a surprise when they don't. Tough to uh, again for the next decade. We're going to be battling. I mean, somebody's got to dethrone them to win. Yeah. The the um, AFC West is not going to be handed to anybody else. So yeah. Go and grab it from them. So it's going to be more of a surprise when they don't win it. Correct. And those are when I'd like to be in the, you know, the Broncos be in the conversation for that. Um, But second place, I'm not going to kiss that goodbye yet. Look, we got to play the Raiders twice. If we clean up, uh, you know, the offense, the offense has shown what they can do um, in previous games, obviously against the Patriots, uh, Bill Belichick on the road, early time slot. If we could have converted those for some touchdowns, field goals, it shows what this offense can definitely do. Uh, so you're talking about, yeah, let's, let's beat the chargers next week. Let's beat them again. Let's beat the Raiders twice to close out the season. Second place. Yeah. Uh, playoffs. I don't want to talk about that. Is there promise on this team? Yeah. Can we bounce back from this? Can we finish eight and eight hundred percent? That that's definitely in the realm of possibility. Um, now you talk about nine and seven. Uh, let's see how the next few weeks play out first. Um, but look, they're they're very beatable teams on our schedule if we go out there. 
um, and, and win. So is all lost? No. Uh, are we talking? I, I keep saying this, and I cannot wait for it to pay off. Everyone's talking about fire everyone, get rid of Drew Locke. I want to see where this team is in addition to whatever draft picks we get moving forward, what this team can do in three, four, five years. Yep. I think that's going to be the team that all of us are like, okay, well, we can beat the Chiefs. We're not going to do it every time, but we can. It's not just a foregone conclusion that we're going to lose. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to is I'm still watching these players develop. Um, and it's exciting to me. I know for a lot of people, you see the the L in that win-loss column, and it sucks. And don't, it hurts me too. Um, but I'm still trying to think a few years down the road and see where it's going to go. So Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, one more thought for me real quick yeah. before we get into the place because um, – I've been through a lot of bad years with other sports teams I cheer for and I've seen them, you know, the lowest of lows and then come back and you get to that moment where you finally knock off the juggernaut and you finally get back to the postseason or whatever it is. In a weird way, it makes it that much sweeter oh, to go through yeah. the lower lows, ride the progression up. And then when it happens, it just, you just, you just relish it. I mean, it just, it just, it's a great moment and the Broncos got to get there, oh, but yeah. One thing Broncos country we're not used to, we just have to learn to be patient. Look, I was in third grade, fourth grade when the Broncos won their super the second Super Bowl. And then I stayed a Broncos fan diehard through the other multitude of years and the losses and the painful, you know, and then you got the uh, uh, Tebow overtime win against the, the sealers there, but then you get Payne Manning and it did, it just made it so much better, right. That you didn't abandon this team. Yeah. It sucks. And you call them out on their shit when it sucks. Right. Um, But it just made it better. So this is kind of where we're at again. It's going to take time. Uh, It's going to be painful, but here we are. So we got pieces. We just, we just gotta, we just gotta start executing better. And and number three, Drew Locke, I want him to be the guy. I still think he can be the guy, but he does have to start playing better. Today was a bad performance, and hopefully he rebounds next week against L.A., and we can start from there. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, got a lot of things obviously going on here at Orange Weekly. As always, doesn't matter what the score of the game is, Broncos – Broncos country orange really is going to be here no matter what. So obviously you're listening to the post game podcast. We also got our Monday night show orange weekly after dark. Uh, we got our Tuesday night show bourbon Broncos, no BS 7 PM mountain time. That is our flagship show. Uh, we've been doing that one since the beginning. So that's, that's our main one. I uh, hope you guys join us there for that. Um, and then, you know, we do have the pregame podcast uh, and that one is made up of cast of, you know, uh, a weird Atlanta Falcons fan that kind of joined our team, but he has a, a Kermit the Frog country. You have a guy that looks like Stanley Kubrick, uh, you know, maybe better for worse, you know, whatever, however you see that one. And then we got the only unbearded guy uh, here in the Orange Weekly Mail crew. So, you know, um, are they more fun? Probably not. Um, But also we're the better looking of the two, two, I think. Maybe not the tallest, but, you know, the coolest. And uh, we try to. Look, I think we did a good job telling the bad stories of tonight of, you know, in a, in a, as positive and fun light as yeah, possible. We can spin it. Right. We can spin it. Uh, I think those guys, those guys have it easy. They just go, oh, I predict the Broncos are yeah. going to lose uh, 24 to 30. Yeah. They just make up numbers. Right. So yeah, they don't have they to can... come on here right after a painful loss. Right. So this is the harder one and yeah. we make it more fun. Uh, and we both have beards and we're not, you know, uh, kind of those guys. So, uh, <laughs> uh, team puffball all the way. Obviously, if you don't get that joke, team puffball, 
Check spread out Tuesday it. nights. Spread Check the out word. Oh, Raymond is Team Puffball too. So we are growing, man. Spread the word, people. Uh, so p- <laughs> uh, pre-game podcast. We also got a pre-game show and a halftime show. Guess we are the only Bronco show out there that does a dedicated halftime show geared towards talking to you, the fans. So I-, I don't even know if any other teams like fan shows do it. So I think we're pretty unique in that regard. So halftime, every halftime we are live. Uh, and then November 5th, uh, I think it's November 5th. David and I are going to be at Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock, Colorado, calling that game. Uh, go by and tell them, uh, I'm sorry, it's the 8th, November 8th. Um, go by, tell them Orange Weekly uh, sent you and you get half off your first drink. Uh, they are fantastic there in Castle Rock, Colorado. Uh, and once again, check out Centennial State Insurance Agency. Even if you just want to quote, uh, they are fantastic people. So reach out to them. Uh, 303-838-0554. So anything uh, I forgot or anything? Oh, Ragers. Ragers. Yeah. Ragers. I'm yeah. getting better at recognizing it. Uh, we also have the other podcast uh, called Ragers. Uh, Ray does a great job. He's been a sports better uh, for years now. He knows what he's talking about. He tells you guys what uh, sporting bets, he, what betting lines he's taking for the upcoming Broncos game. And not just what he's taking, but why and why he's not taking other bets. And so you learn from him what he's thinking, what he's seeing. So you learn stuff along the way. And before today, he was 14, five and two. So he has earned a good bit of money on this season so far. So that says a lot when you're basically, you know. Yeah, I, I do pretty up. good at uh, betting college football, but when it comes to NFL, I've been struggling a little bit. But whenever I listen to Ray, I at least win at least one of my bets I place. I didn't get a chance to listen this week, put a five-game parlay today, and it went down in flames very fast. So nah, what happens. am I going to be doing next week? I'm making sure I tune in the Ragers because I want to get back on the good side next week. So. 100%. 100%. Cool. Uh, any other comments there, Tanner? Uh, but just like I said, uh, let's burn this tape. Let's forget about it. Let's get ready for the Chargers and get uh, back into the win column. Hashtag beat the Chargers. Nothing left uh, to say other than go Broncos. Orange Weekly. Fans, brews, and Broncos news.